Welcome to TW Now, I'm Scott Winnale. During this Christmas season, for a brief time, much of the world thinks about, sings about, and longs for peace on earth. Organizations and agencies have been created to promote peace, yet many have come and gone. Peacekeepers span the globe, yet are unable to usher in or even maintain peace. Why is peace so elusive? What insights can the Bible shed on world peace? And more specifically, how do the biblical holy days offer a glimpse into coming world peace? On today's TW Now program, our two returning guests will discuss world peace and share a biblical perspective you may never have considered before. I'd like to welcome Dr. Douglas Winnell. Dr. Winnell is a minister, longtime minister, and tomorrow's world writer. He's written and taught a great deal about the coming world peace and has extensively traveled around the globe witnessing the lack of world peace. Mr. Stephen Elliott, we're glad to have you back with us again. Mr. Elliott is a former university faculty member, a longtime minister, and a former member of the law enforcement community charged with maintaining peace. He's joining us by Skype from Phoenix, Arizona. Again, gentlemen, welcome. It's good to have you back on the program with us today. Let's jump into this topic today and let me start by asking the question, what types of efforts has the world put forth in their search for peace? In other words, how has the world sought for peace? And Dr. Winnell, let's go ahead and start with you. You know, when you look at history, you got the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. Uh, they enforced peace with the Roman legions. So you got a, you're the biggest guy on the block, you can keep peace for a while. But what I'd like to focus on is a couple of other things, because people have, have devoted time to why don't we have peace? Uh, in 1800, about 1800, German philosopher Immanuel Kant wrote a, a, uh, an essay entitled Perpetual Peace. And his conclusions were basically to have peace, you have to eliminate armies. Now, the Romans wouldn't agree with that, but that was his idea. He says also, don't interfere with other states and establish republican governments because republican governments and democracies don't really go to war with each other. So this was part of his thinking. Another novel in 18, 1900 by an Edward Bellamy, he was an American writer, was a science fiction novel, Looking Backward. And his solution was, we must nationalize, in other words, get rid of private property, because private property is one of the things that creates problems. So he says, he never mentions the word socialism, but his novel is about the United States, America, becoming a socialist utopia in a hundred years. So we're, we're coming up on that hundred years. One final thing, you know, after World War II, or World War I, they, they were looking for ways to bring peace. And this was the um, <clears throat> Woodrow Wilson, his 14 points, um, wanting to establish United Nations. That was 1914, 1917, 1919. That's the long history. What we call history is really a record of all our failures and our wars. We don't record good things. You go back to the Pax Romana and some authors will say that Rome would come up to the border of a new territory and they would offer peace. And that peace meant if you will submit to us completely, pay taxes and do what we say, we'll let you live. And if you won't, we're going to kill every one of you, all your animals, and sow your, salt, your land with salt. 
And another author said that the Romans would go through an area and they would leave a silence behind. So that's what they called peace. That's what they called a Pax Romana. I think the individuals have a different idea of what peace is. You know, when I think of peace, I guess really what I'm thinking of is I want to be left alone. I don't want anybody breaking in, kicking down my door. I don't want the government being overly intrusive. I don't want to pay taxes that I think are too high and unreasonable. You know, and so we have different ideas about peace. And they come down to us through what we call history, and they haven't produced anything. You know, about 1920, the League of Nations was formed, and it survived for 26 years. It was very ineffectual. It uh, was officially abolished after the Second World War, but it was supposed to produce peace. The United States never officially adjoined, but were party to it. And then we've seen many other events, as Dr. Winnale said. You know, I wanted to follow up on something Mr. Elliott mentioned, is that most people want peace. I was listening to a lecture recently where the lecturer made the comment, leaders want power. Leaders want power. They don't really want peace, or unless they get peace on their terms. You know, when the Muslims stormed out of the Middle East in the 600s, um, they conquered everything in their way. And they used basically the Roman approach, that uh, you either submit and convert, or we cut your head off, or we put you in slavery. Uh, so they were after peace on their terms. The Nazis in World War II conquered, uh, exterminated. Uh, as, as long as people went along with them, there would be peace under the Nazis. So everybody has their own definition, as Mr. Elliott said, of peace. Most people just want to be left alone. I remember the summer we were over in Jordan. It was right after the uh, invasion of Kuwait. And uh, we were walking around uh, this little Arab village. And five o'clock in the afternoon when people come in from work, all they wanted to do was sit down, have a cup of tea, <laughs> and talk with their families. They were pleasant to us. Uh, they weren't real happy about what the Americans had done. But they were human beings, and they wanted peace. But the leaders have different ideas. Well, that sort of takes us to the next question. Why have mankind's attempts at peace not been successful for more than a short period of time? And actually, while you're thinking of that and before you answer, let me just uh, welcome those who are joining us on TW Now. It's good to have you here with us or have you back here with us. I just want to invite you to please, if you're interested, if you've got questions, please pass them our way. Message us and we will do our best to include them in the program today. We're talking about or trying to answer the question today, is world peace possible? Okay, gentlemen, back to our question. Why haven't mankind's attempts at peace worked or worked for very long? Well, let me underscore that with a comment ahead, that leads back to the previous subject. There's a website called the Polynational War Memorial website. It's war-memorial.net. And it says since 1900, we've had 267 wars. And it lists the countries that have been at war the most. China was first with 34. The UK, England and the UK with 30 come in second. France was third with 27. The United States with 24. 
The old USSR was 20 and Russia is 14. So while we've all said and we've all participated in peace agreements, again, these are just examples that we can't. And I think part of the reason of why is because, as Dr. Winnale said, the leaders really don't want to. They have other ideas, and so they're going to pursue those ideas. Yeah, what I'd like to do is refer to the radio address of General Douglas MacArthur that he gave um, at the surrender of Japan. And I would encourage anybody to go online and look up this address that he gave, because it's really quite profound. Because he was touching on something that we're going to be talking about here. He mentions, men since the beginning of time have sought peace. Various methods have been tried that we've been talking about here, the peace of Rome, uh, treaties, big armies. He said, everything we've tried has failed. We have had our last chance. Now here's a general talking, not a, uh, not a minister. He said, we've had our chance, our last chance. He said, if we do not devise some greater and more equitable system, Armageddon will be at our door. In other words, we're going to destroy ourselves. He said, the problem, here's a general talking, the problem is theological and involves what he says a spiritual recrudescence. This is a renewal or a start in a different direction. The problem is theological and involves a spiritual recrudescence and an improvement of human character that will synchronize with our almost matchless advances in science, art, literature, and so on. He said it must be of the spirit if we're to save the flesh. We've got to go in a different direction. We've got to look at a different dimension. Otherwise, all these other things that we've tried have not worked and will not work. So we've got to do something different. Mr. Elliott. We as human beings, mankind, are very good at learning some laws and using them. We're very good with engineering. I used to fly planes and the more we learned about the laws of aerodynamics, the better our planes worked. The faster, the more they would haul, the more efficient. We're using cell phones today and computers that I only dreamed of as a child. The Dick Tracy wrist radio that I read about in the comic books when I was a child. And we're there with so many things. We are really good at those physical laws, but we miss the point that the laws that govern relationships are not physical. <clears throat> They're mentioned in the Bible. They're really spiritual. We really need help with those. So after all of our recorded history, we're lousy at getting along with each other. We have more divorces. We have more wars. We, we're fighting on the streets now. Those are spiritual laws, and the only place we're going to learn about them is in the Bible. For instance, Jeremiah 10.23 said it's not within a man to direct his own steps. Certain of those things we don't understand inherently, and we have to listen to another source. That source, for us being ministers, is the Bible, the Word of God. You know, when we look into the Bible, we find some very interesting and important keys to the way to peace. Isaiah wrote, and he's writing about 700 B.C. 
In Isaiah 59 and verse 8, he said, The way of peace they have not known. They have made themselves crooked paths. And whoever takes that way or these crooked paths are not going to find peace. Because the Bible points us in a direction. When you compare, as Mr. Elliott was saying, the laws of the Bible and the instructions in the Bible with human ideas. You know, in American West, they invented the uh, Colt 45 revolver. And it was called the peacemaker. You make peace by just blowing somebody else away so there's nobody to argue with. Uh, Mao Tse-sung made a comment. He said, peace comes out of a gun barrel. Now, whether he had Colt 45s or something else, but this, this type of thinking that we've got to force peace that way. Adolf Hitler made an observation. He said, mankind has grown strong through eternal struggle. This is a Darwinian survival of the fittest type of thing. And then he went on and said, human beings will only perish through eternal peace. So if you're not fighting somebody, you're not getting strong. Uh, finally, John Lennon had his own unique approach. He said, make love and not war. But that's the path to AIDS and sexually transmitted diseases. But this is human beings thinking, whereas God has a totally different approach. He said there is a path to peace, and we can probably talk about that a little bit more, mm. but that path comes out of the scriptures. Well, it's interesting you mentioned John Lennon. I, I uh, recall some lyrics to one of his songs called Imagine. Mm. And in that one, he's, he's actually talking about something the opposite of what you're talking about. Yeah. Imagine a world where there's no religion yeah. and how that will bring peace. Uh, he didn't agree with you. You know, that's the human approach. They ignore what the Bible says about peace, but they do look at the history of religions, as I mentioned earlier. When the Muslims stormed out of the Middle East, they wanted to create peace according to their way of approach. And when the Crusades reacted to that, they had their idea of peace, but neither one of them is looking in the scriptures. Mm. You know, in the New Testament, there are a couple of statements like Romans 3.16 that says the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That links the two together. And many people don't want to hear that. Where There are really two opinions going on in the world today. And one is, I'll do it myself. Thank you. I don't want to hear anything from anybody else. And then there is revealed knowledge from God in the Bible. Most all of Paul's writings begin by saying that peace comes from God, like in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 2. He says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, Colossae was an old city, Asia Minor, today that would be western Turkey. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he reiterates, that's where grace and peace come from. Peace come from God by doing things God's way, using God's principles, and using those principles and, and laws to treat each other the way they should be treated, the way they desire to be treated. And then we have peace. But when we come up with our own ideas, the Colt 45 and everything else, the Pax Romana, it doesn't produce any peace. It produces maybe a stalemate for a while and gives the people the power that they want. Mm. Again, different definitions of peace. The leaders want power. The people on the bottom just want to be left alone. 
that the only real long-term solution we find is in the Bible. In, go, you know, go when ahead. we look into the Bible, I think it's, it's very interesting to see what we find. You know, in Psalm 119, verse 165, it says, Great peace have those who love thy law. In other words, if you love the law of God, it's like Mr. Elliot was saying, if you live by the law of God, mm -hmm. you don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't steal, you don't kill. This is part of the path to peace. In Isaiah 2, verses 2 to 4, when Christ returns, he's going to set up a government on this earth and says the law, the law of God, will go forth from Jerusalem and they will beat their swords into plowshares. Jesus Christ is coming back as the Prince of Peace. He's going to establish peace on this earth. People are going to be taught how to live by the laws of God. And that is going to bring peace on this earth. Hmm. But this is a dimension. This is a dimension that our leaders don't study today. They don't learn today. You know, our leaders today read The Prince by Machiavelli. <laughs> And that is basically, you get somebody else before they get you. There, there's no morals as long as you retain power. And when you got people reading sources like that, being influenced by those sources, it's not going to work. <clears throat> well, you, <clears throat> you mentioned Machiavelli. I think of Thomas More as well. Didn't he write Utopia? And his vision of Utopia was the same vision that John Lennon was expressing in his, his uh, imagined this socialistic kind of society where uh, there was no wealth for anybody and everybody had everything in common. They didn't have any common <coughs> lands, as you were mentioning earlier, Mr. Elliott. You, all, you both mentioned th those who are leaders want power. And you were quoting from uh, Emperor Mao and from Hitler. <coughs> is, is part of the, the solution to just get rid of the, the leaders because the people want peace? Is that, a, is that going to be enough? It won't be enough in this physical world the way we are now because someone else would simply step in. Someone else who has the power or the guns would simply step in and take over as an opportunity then to take what they want. You see this in places like Africa. Uh, in Zimbabwe, I read today in the news that the new president said he's going to take the lands back from the people that from the people that the lands were given to when they were stolen from the farmers. So things are just being shuffled back and forth based on whoever's in authority. But scripture shows us that there is going to be a change, that there is a God named Jesus Christ who is going to return. He's going to make a big change in all of that. And I think we're going to talk about that in, in depth here in the next few minutes. You mentioned Zimbabwe, I can recall Oh, a decade or so ago when Robert Mugabe was the president. And you might recall the hyperinflation that was going on. He was destroying the country and he was asked to step down. And I remember an interview with him where the reporters asked him if he would step down and he, he got up very arrogantly and said, this is my Zimbabwe. And he wasn't saying it in the way of, this is my Zimbabwe, I want to try and save it. He was saying, this is my Zimbabwe, I'm in control of it, get out of my face, basically. So it's sort of echoing yes. what you're talking about. I've been to Zimbabwe twice. The first time I was there, the American dollar was trading at 750 of their local currency on the black market. And the last time, they had gone so high into hyperinflation that million dollar notes were literally blowing around the street 
I collected about three or four of them, and I am a billionaire in their <laughs> old currency, but it was worthless, so it was flying around the streets in the wind. You know, you, we were <clears throat> talking about how if people, the leaders want power. If we just get rid of the leaders, then we'll have peace. You know, Plato was writing about 400 BC, and he said he noticed a sequence of governments. You have monarchies, and then they go to uh, uh, oligarchies, where you have a rule of a few, and then you go to democracies, and then and we think today, if everybody could just become a democracy, we'd have peace. But he said the next phase was democracies become ungovernable, and you get a dictator that comes. And I think I was reading something even recently about the EU. They said if we could get a strong leader, if we could get a strong leader, we could have a, a better you know, government over here. Mm -hmm. But then we're back to the leaders again. And if you look at the leaders of Europe, they want to play a major role on the world stage. And this is what leaders want to do. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it really doesn't work. So the way of peace, as you've quoted um, from the scripture, human beings can't find. They don't seem to be able to find. We've had thousands of years of human history where man cannot get there or hang on to it for very long. <coughs> What does the Bible have to say in more depth? You've shared some verses, some concepts. What does the Bible have to say more about coming world peace? And how might this relate to some of the, some would say, ancient biblical holy days? Mr. Elliott. We have, we have seven holy days mentioned in the Bible that most people ignore, or if they read them at all, they think they're only for the Jews. And so they're not kept today. But if you look into the Bible, you see both in the Old and New Testament, those holy days are called feasts of the Lord, not feasts of any one people. Jesus Christ kept them. We see that in the New Testament. His disciples and the apostles kept them. They were keeping them for years and years after Jesus Christ died. So they weren't done away. They're still there and they're important. And we have learned that those seven annual holy days are seven signposts to God's plan. <clears throat> and toward the end, in the fall, then we see those holy days are picturing the return of Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. And he is going to return, and he is going to establish, actually have to force peace on this world by removing the false leaders and the false armies. Hmm. You know, it's interesting <clears throat> when we understand that Christ is coming back, he's going to use his power to set up his government. Uh, the world, in a sense, understands that too. I came across the quote by Winston Churchill. Uh, and he said, unless some effective world super government is established for the purpose of preventing war, our prospects for peace are dark unless it's possible to build a world organization of irresistible force and inviolable authority. So what he's saying is we need some sort of power to do that. And this is really what the gospel is all about. Jesus Christ coming back. You can read this in Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 through 18, where it says the kingdoms of this earth have become the kingdoms of Jesus Christ. He's going to reign forever and he's going to, the nations are going to be angry, but Jesus Christ is going to take his great power and reign. 
and bring literally peace to this earth. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to come to the point uh, where people are going to realize our human efforts have not worked, are not working, will not work, and we're going to need some help from somewhere. Yeah, Scripture also shows that things will continue as they are. The wars will continue until basically just the last minute when if they continued much more, all human life would be wiped out. And then Jesus Christ is going to intervene. And at that point, there will be no more argument that says, if you just let us try a little longer, we could have fixed it. Because at that point, everybody will have to know that it was impossible. Everyone was about to die. Mm. And Jesus Christ is going to come, and he's going to do that. But it's still going to anger the leaders who want power for themselves. <clears throat> so they're going to fight him. It's a little bit sadly ironic, isn't it, that mankind has in, in some ways stumbled a little bit onto this path for peace? Isn't this concept of a, a all-powerful one-world government in a way reflective of what Christ has planned? You look at how big the problem is. It's not just one nation, but it's nations all around the world. And obviously there's got to be some sort of world government to, to bring it all together. Except human beings, you've got one government here, one government there, and it's going, who's going to be on top of the other one? Mm -hmm. Like a bunch of crabs in a bucket that they keep climbing up over the other ones. Mm -hmm. No one trusts each other. And right now in the United States and the UK, we're having terrible uh, political problems. We're having political battles out in the open now between people that are vying for power. And I don't think the average person on the street, I'm one of them, I don't think we believe that they're working out or looking out for our best interests. I don't think they, we believe that it's going to improve our lot in any way. But if they can fight and take authority for themselves, they will do what they want. So nobody's going to trust one world leader in this world. Jesus Christ, though, will be different. Scripture says that he will be so righteous and so fair that everybody will recognize him. It's almost like a uniform that he will wear, that he will stand for that. And people then will learn to trust him. Hmm. You know, I came across another quote. It was about 100 years old by an American. We have this idea today that if we could export democracy, that we would bring peace to the world. But the quote I saw was that politics is nothing but a systematic organization of hatreds. Hmm. And you look at the parties today, Republicans and Democrats, you go uh, to Europe as labor and conservatives and so on. Everybody wants their own thing. And until that is brought to a halt, we're going to be watching these continual struggles. We've got a question here, I think, that relates to what you're talking about. How can we achieve world peace without changing our human nature? It's <laughs> mm. you know, a good question. Good. That's it's basically good question. what MacArthur was talking about. He said, until we have a spiritual recrudescence, he said, it's of the spirit, not the flesh. He understood that that has to change. But I saw a paper recently, by, I think it was actually in Psychology Today, on is world peace possible? And the comment that they think they made in the article was, uh, human nature doesn't need to change, it just needs to be managed. That's exactly opposite of what we read in the scriptures. Now, Jeremiah 17, 9 says that basically the human heart is deceitful and, and desperately wicked. 
Now you look at people and they, they don't feel that they're desperately wicked, but there is a devil, a Satan, who does influence people. And this is where these ideas come from, that I want to be better than you or I'm going to get around behind your back until he has put out a commission. And this is also pictured in the biblical holy days. Christ is coming back. Satan's going to be bound. His influence is no longer going to be there. And then the influence is going to come through Jesus Christ and his teachers. Human nature needs to be managed. Makes me wonder, and you could respond to this, who who's going to manage human nature and according to what standard is human nature managed this is exactly. where we get go ahead the only answer comes from god it comes from the creator and his ideas his mind and his spirit which enables us to make some changes and we do have to change our nature we do have to set our desires aside for others benefits and for god's instruction or it's not going to happen but no human is going to manage everybody else. And are there laws that mankind has come up with or, or other laws that are going to be a standard by which peace will be ushered in, through which peace will be ushered in? No, no. I went through police academy uh, as a young man, and we were taught there that the only reason we have the relative peace in this country, the United States, is because this is what the population wanted. The population agreed with the basic standards of laws, not murdering your neighbor, not stealing, and those kinds of things. But we were taught way back then that if the population ever changed, there was nothing that <coughs> law enforcement or the military could do to prevent that change. See, we've also been misled and really seriously deceived by education for about the last hundred years. Because educators have been promoting the idea there is no God, there is no supernatural. There are no absolute laws that you, know, you can make up your own. And when you buy into that philosophy, there's no absolute laws. Well, then uh, I could probably kill somebody if they really did me in. Or I could uh, commit adultery or whatever you want to do because that made me feel good. If there are no absolute laws coming from an absolute creator, then eventually we got chaos. And when Christ comes back, he's going to show there are absolute laws. There is a God that does have absolute power. And this is going to change everything. Now, that's a, it's a, that's a pipe dream for many people today because they've been educated to believe there is no God. They've been educated to believe there are no absolutes, but there are. Yes, and as you said there in the Old Testament, the worst times, it said every man did what was right in his own eyes. Mm -hmm. And when everybody does what they want, that's the worst times. That's anarchy. And it looks like we may be headed toward that again. When you look around the world at, at different nations' attempts at peace, uh, with this concept of law, it makes me wonder too, is it, is it that there, is it because in some ways there is no standard of law between nations that nations can't bring peace amongst themselves? You look at the Muslims, they have their view of things. You look at Christians, they have their view of things. You look at Buddhists, they have their group of things. So everybody has their own authorities. Um, when Christ comes back, there's going to be one religion. There's going to be one set of laws, and that's what we find in the scriptures. Now, that's not a popular message today, but uh, 
All we're going to have to do is sit back and watch. We're going to see what's going to happen in the years just ahead of us. Well, as we come down to the end of this discussion for today, I'd like to ask you both the question, uh, what, what is a key takeaway or take-home message, concept that you would like to leave the audience with today? And Mr. Elliott, why don't we go ahead and start with you? All right. I've been a student of history, and I've read history for many, many years. But I get to where I'm so tired of the misery of the war, of the fighting, the atrocities, I put the history books down for a while. After 6,000 years of recorded history, our world today is about as good as it gets. It doesn't seem to ever get any better. It's the same thing over and over again. We can't rule ourselves peacefully. We never have been able to, and our history demonstrates we never will be able to. So we really do need God to rule us, or we will destroy this earth, and we'll destroy all life that's in it. As I said, these laws are spiritual laws. They're his laws. They come from a spirit being, and we can't figure them out, or we haven't figured them out as humans. Dr. Winnell, your thoughts? Yeah, I'd like to leave things on a positive note, um, because when we look at man's attempts to establish peace, we've seen they don't work. They're not working today. But Jesus Christ is going to come back to this earth. And as we're told in Revelation 5.10, that the saints are going to reign with Jesus Christ as kings and priests on this earth. Revelation 5.10. This is part of the gospel that Jesus Christ brought when he came. That uh, it was not about going off to heaven and sitting on a cloud and playing a harp and doing stuff like that. We're going to reign as kings and priests on this earth, civil and religious leaders. Also in... Um, Isaiah 30, verses 20 and 21, it says the saints are going to become the teachers, and they're going to say, this is the way, walk you in it. God is calling a group of people today to come out of this world, to prepare for a coming kingdom of God. This is the hope of real Christians, is to reign with Jesus Christ and eventually bring peace to this earth. So it's really an exciting future when we look into the Bible as Mr. Elliot said, we leave the history books alone, learn the lessons of history, but learn what is in the scriptures and prepare for that. It's going to be a very exciting time. Gentlemen, thank you for your feedback and your comments. <clears throat> I would like to let our audience know that we have an article that's available at our tomorrowsworld.org website entitled The Way to Peace. The missing dimension. I don't know if we have time to bring that up uh, to show here on the screen, but the way to peace. If you will uh, hit our tomorrowsworld.org website, type in the way to peace, and uh, you, you can have some more information on this conversation that we've had today. You know, the world, our world peace actually, is a condition that most of humanity desires. You know that, I know that, we've discussed that today. The sad thing is that few are willing to put in the effort to bring it about. Sadly, mankind's attempts at world peace have brought forth little lasting fruit. Bible prophecy makes it clear that mankind, apart from God, is unable to bring about lasting peace, and we've talked about that today. It also shows us that the only way to true, lasting peace, must include the laws of God in a world where Jesus Christ is the ultimate king. Interestingly, the Bible contains a plan to bring about world peace, a plan that God put in motion for mankind long ago. This 7,000-year plan is made clear through the keeping of God's seven annual holy days, as we discussed earlier in the program. 
and the Feast of Tabernacles actually celebrated in the autumn of the year in the Northern Hemisphere gives incredible insights into what this coming world peace will be like. For more details on God's plan for world peace, we encourage you actually to get a copy of, download a copy of, order a copy of <clears throat> The Holy Days God's Master Plan. You might find it interesting and it may give you some insights that you've not considered before. For more encouraging news about the future, we encourage you to visit tomorrowsworld.org and stay tuned to TW Now each week. Next week, we plan to discuss the topic of protecting children from the course of this world. Parents, grandparents, and future parents, you won't want to miss next week's program.